Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now, you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano, which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually when I buy them at, like, the grocery store, they're sort of, like, starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, I know it's early in the day, but I've got something off-color to say. Okay. You know, all these kind of Silicon Valley libertarian bros suddenly wanting bailouts and support from the government. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, like, a guy who really hates wearing condoms being like, why'd I get herpes? (laughs) It's like, <laughs> come on, like you, you wanted this. You asked for that. You put yourself in this position. But anyway. This week, we're joined by Parker Malloy, Akila Hughes, and Kieran Deal to take on the following questions. Why, oh why, would a federal judge in Texas want to keep the hearing on abortion pills a secret? What do conservatives mean when they say woke? How do people with student loans feel about millionaires who made bad business decisions being bailed out? All this and more right now. Okay, friends, we wanted to let Hysteria listeners know first that next Thursday, March 23rd, we are releasing our first ever coffee blend with Crooked Coffee called Petty Brew. We've been working on this for months, so we're excited we can finally talk about it. We tasted a lot of coffees to find the right ones, so we know Hysteria listeners will love it. The flavor profile is chocolatey, it's nutty, it has notes of cherry, which gives you a bright, punchy, perfect flavor that will keep you going all day and night if needed. Petty Brew launches next week, so head to crooked.com slash coffee to sign up to be the first to grab some. I have been fueled by it today. Oh, it is delicious. I can't wait for my single-serve bags. Yeah, they're very good. All right, Alyssa, let's get to some news before we get to our interview, which I'm really excited about. Mm -hmm. We got to talk about this. As we're recording this right now, A federal judge in Texas is holding a hearing in a lawsuit that seeks to overturn the Food and Drug Administration's approval of one of two kinds of pills that are used in medication abortions. The judge is named Matthew Kazmarek, and he is a judge in the Northern District of Texas. Um, He's been Streisanding himself a little bit, though, right? Mm Mm-hmm. 
this guy's a Trump appointee and he has spoken out against abortion and against bodily autonomy. Hates Roe. Yeah, yeah. Hates Roe v. Wade. This guy is kind of in, he's in the tank for anti-choice people. The medication at the center of the case has been prescribed for more than 20 years successfully and safely to people who are looking to terminate pregnancies, Mm -hmm. but none of that matters. On Friday, Judge Kaczmarek called the lawyers in and said that he wanted the hearing on Wednesday morning to be like super secret. He asked the lawyers not to disclose that information about when the hearing was, and he said he wouldn't enter it into the public court record until late Tuesday evening. Hmm. Hmm. Aaron, hmm. you've been you've been having uh, some witchy moments about this. Do you do you have a prediction for why he's being this way? I think it's because he can't take the heat. We know what he's going to do. Yep. He's telegraphing what he's going to do, which is probably either outlaw or severely restrict access to a type of medication that has been demonstrably safe in terminating pregnancies for the 20 years that it's had FDA approval. It is a bullshit lawsuit, but bullshit doesn't matter to these people. Right. It doesn't matter because they have the power. So they don't need to prove to anybody because they're the ones with unchecked power. So here's the thing about that. Abortion providers have confirmed to reporters at Jezebel that if the judge bans mifeprestone, which is one of the two drugs that we mentioned, they're able to prescribe misoprostol-only abortions as a workaround. So... The medication abortion with both types of medication is slightly more effective than just with the one. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing about misoprostol. Misoprostol is used for a lot of different things. It's a pretty common medication, and it would be really difficult for any judge to make that drug illegal. Right Now, of course, I do not put it past anybody on the anti-abortion side to try their hardest, to try to make it illegal to prescribe it to pregnant people, to try to make it illegal to prescribe it to women of a certain age. So that's like faint hope, you know. But the reason that we're bringing it up is because if you are a person who is pregnant and you're looking to terminate your pregnancy, I think a lot of messaging is that abortion pills are going to be illegal across the country immediately. And it's true that this judge can make this kind of abortion pill illegal immediately across the country. It doesn't matter where you live. But He can't make every type of medication abortion illegal. Not right now, not with this lawsuit. And it is also worth noting that misoprostol in other countries where they have been using it just on its own for abortion has been found to be 99% effective. The studies here are not as expansive, but Aaron, they keep trying. They keep trying. And it's like, if you're so certain that you're right, do it out in the open. Why are you closing your courtroom, you pussy little bitch? Here's the thing. Judge Kaczmarek is claiming that there have been death threats and he's worried about the safety of his staffers or whatever. But you know what, dude? How many pro-life, anti-choice people have been assassinated by pro-choice activists? Yep. I I can't think of a single one. I cannot think of a single one. How many pro choice activists, abortion providers, how many of those people have experienced bodily harm from the right wing? Like, it is so ridiculous for him to complain that, like, he thinks he's in danger. Like, come the fuck on, dude. You're just a pussy. You're just a fucking pussy. Yeah, that's and that's all we have to say about that. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a nice way, like a pussy, you know, the, the no. white way, like a pussy. Can t- I mean, it. he is a wimp. He is a wimpy, wimpy, fancy boy. And what he is about to do, if we're wrong, 
hey, that's great. That's great. Terrific. Happy to be wrong. Happy to be wrong. I would love to be wrong about this. But if we're right, I think that any derision that doesn't include violence, but like peaceful protests, people taking it up with him publicly, people getting mad at him when they see him at a restaurant, all of those things he should fucking expect. You don't get to just take rights away from millions of people and not have there be any real impact on the way you live your life. Like, sorry, dude, people are going to protest you. I'm sorry, dude, people are going to be mad when they see you out in public. I'm sorry, but that's what you fucking get. You deserve it. And this is, guess what? You reap what you sow. This is why you wanted to be a judge. You're doing what you wanted to do. So, I don't know. Yeah. Enjoy yourself. You can't be like, I'm going to fuck around secretly so nobody finds out. Right. The find out is coming. It's here. It's coming. It's coming. It's here. But I think that maybe the silver lining of things like this, of cases like this, is in the aftermath of Roe being overturned, we are seeing a relentless parade of reminders of how far conservatives are willing to take this, how far they're willing to roll back rights of women, of anybody who can get pregnant. They will never be happy until you are a broodmare. That's it. That's truly it. So, you know, I'm glad that kind of bleakly glad that this is keeping this in the headlines because it's what it's what's at stake for every single election. Yep. It's what's at stake. Every single election, any vote for any Republican is a vote for a complete rollback of women's rights. And that's it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sorry, that was real ranty. You do your thing. You felt like ranting. You rant. We're good. I've been fueled by Petty Brew Coffee. You're fueled by Petty Brew and I'm just here sitting vigil for the polar bears. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk more about the polar bears next week. We will indeed. We're going to talk about the polar bears for the entirety of news next week. But for now, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we have an interview you're not going to want to miss. And welcome back. Alyssa, you and I both know that we have lists of dream guests, guests we're looking forward to, yes. guests we want to have. And there have been people who have been on that list for ages. Too long. Today, our guest is one of those people. Our guest today is a self-proclaimed journalist type, an opinion haver, <laughs> who writes The Present Age, an award-winning newsletter about media, politics, and culture. She used to be the editor-at-large at Media Matters for America, Heard of it. Often (laughs) writing about the way right-wing media twists the truth. Parker Malloy, welcome to Hysteria. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad to finally be here. I know. We've we've been like kind of doing that come on my podcast dance for a couple years. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, soon, soon. We'll figure it out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We figured it out. We did it. We did. We did it. So let's get into it. Parker, more American adults are openly identifying as LGBTQ+ than ever before. Yet it seems like people are directing more and more hate towards queer and trans people with all this anti-trans legislation and propaganda. Why do you think queer people are both more visible and accepted and also more publicly targeted? Like, what do you make of this paradox? Sure. Well, I think what happened here is that after the marriage equality decisions in the Supreme Court, 
there was a big shift on the right in how they focused, you know, all these groups that existed specifically to fight against like marriage equality had to kind of rethink their strategy and they looked for an easier target. And for that target, they landed on trans people because that is an easier target because the message when it came to marriage was everyone understands love, love is love and you know all those happy things. But when it comes to understanding trans people, if you're not trans, it's a lot harder to really get out there. And it's it's hard as a trans person, as I am, to explain what it's like to be trans. And in, in doing so, a lot of times people will kind of fall back on these canned answers, you know, born in the wrong body, or I have a, you know, a woman's soul or brain or, you know, all of these things that don't quite explain it, but try to convey the general message to people to help them understand like what's happening, like what is at odds. So in picking a fight with trans people and in targeting trans people, it's been a lot more effective, I think, for the right when they're doing this because they can point to a trans person saying, if I need to use a public restroom, I would like to be able to do so without being hassled. And they can go, well, how do we know that some hulking man isn't going to go follow my little girl into the bathroom and attack her? You know, like those sorts of things, those sorts of things that create a visceral response from people where they want to protect their kids and they want to do all that stuff. And it spills over. And when it comes to trans people, those of us who transition in adulthood, you know, I transitioned when I was 26 and I'm 30 something now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, like those of us who transition in adulthood, a lot of times we're kind of visibly trans, some more than others. You know, some people are tall, some are short. You know, I'm kind of lucky in the sense that my voice is kind of just this weird androgynous nothingness thing that has kind of been the case for my entire life. But, you know, and I'm not super tall or anything, but It's easy to pick on trans people because a lot of us do kind of stand out. A lot of us are, quote unquote, visibly trans. So that makes it a lot more difficult, I think, for us to kind of hide away if we want to. And they've been relentless with this. The right has been just piling it on. And I think a big part of it is this sort of uh, idea that if they can separate LGB and T, Q and, and so on, Like if they can do that, then they'll be able to get their foot back in the door to go after things like marriage again and go after, try to overturn Lawrence versus Texas to reinstate sodomy laws and stuff like that. It's all tied together. And the Family Research Council has gone on record a number of times and said that their goal is to try to separate, divide and conquer, and then go back to it. And that's why it's really important to try to kind of keep people from falling for a lot of misinformation and propaganda and, you know, exaggerations, you know. Parker, anti-trans bills have really covered the gambit, everything from healthcare to drag shows. One, are there really egregious examples of legislation that you've seen that our listeners may not know about, that they should know about? And how have you seen these bills being introduced impact your community emotionally, tangibly, et cetera? Sure. Uh, Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of bills that are, you know, each of the past few years, there have been a lot of bills that have targeted trans people in various ways, you know, whether it's defining who can use public restrooms without, you know, being arrested or hassled along the way, or who can 
work without getting fired for being trans and stuff like that. But the focus in the past couple of years and the focus, especially this year, has been on a lot of things related to they're really focusing on this save the children, protect the children kind of idea. And so with that, you have bills that ban trans kids from playing sports. You have bills that make it illegal for trans kids. And by kids, I mean people in their mid to late teens making you know medical decisions. And all of those things, the end goal here is not about kids. It's not about, they definitely don't care about women's sports. <laughs> no. <laughs> that That is just clear. But the goal is to make life as hard for trans people as possible. And in, I think you're seeing in some states like Tennessee is getting really aggressive with it. And I know that that's where the Daily Wire people have all kind of moved down to. And so it's kind of home base for transphobia these days, it seems like. But the goal is to make it as hard as possible for trans adults to exist as well, you know, to make healthcare, transition related healthcare illegal. And it's scary. And and it builds off of something that I, th- I think a lot of us could see kind of coming is this idea that when Roe was overturned, you're going to start seeing you know, Republicans try to insert themselves into individual healthcare decisions all over the place. And that's why I think it's scary. And it's frustrating when I see people who are very, feel very strongly about abortion rights, but then not care about trans issues. Or I see a trans person who's very passionate about trans rights, but is like, I don't care about abortion. It's like, these things are all sort of linked together because I don't care if someone's like, oh, I think Parker Malloy's a man. It's like, okay. I mean, I get dozens of those messages every day. Like, I don't care about that stuff. I care about being able to sort of live my life and go through that. And that's why I'm just scared mostly about the legal stuff that's happening, the attempts to kind of paint trans people as weird, mentally ill people, which, hey, I'm weird, mentally ill, but that's separate. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's kind of of their goal, to be able to insert themselves into our lives on this, like, and micromanage what we can do and who we can be. You know, the one example of people like to talk about when they're talking about sports, they like to talk about Leah Thomas, the trans swimmer who was at Penn, who won a national championship in one of her swim races. People like to talk about that. But the one example that always comes to mind for me when when I think about instances of trans people competing in sports and it actually being something that is unfair is the example of this trans boy named Mac Beggs, who he was in Texas. And so he's a trans boy. He wanted to wrestle against the boys and he was taking testosterone. And so he was like, cool, I want to do this. And I want to wrestle in college. And I just want to wrestle boys. And the state of Texas was like, nope, you got to wrestle the girls or you can't wrestle at all. And so he's like put in this impossible position that someone who's like 16 should not have to like find himself in where he's like, okay, well, do I not compete in the sport that I want to do or not? And so he he competes and he dominates. It is like, you know, in the movie Billy Madison, where Adam Sandler is playing dodgeball <laughs> against kids, that's kind of what his uh-huh. wrestling yeah. matches looked like. And it was unfair. He was taking testosterone. Dude was ripped. And, <laughs> and like, and he didn't want to wrestle against girls. He wanted to wrestle against the boys. And the state of Texas then, you know, after this, they could have gone, okay, that clearly was a bad idea. We'll let him wrestle against the boys. No, they were like, 
okay, well, if he wants to keep wrestling, he needs to stop taking testosterone. And it's like, okay, well, you created a rule designed to keep things fair, which ended up creating wildly unfair conditions. And then when called on it, you were like, ah, I guess we're going to have to just sort of change it in a different way to make it to exclude this kid. And that that's sort of the example that comes to mind that that people ignore. It's like, all of these things, the decisions about who goes on what healthcare, who does what, who socially transitions or medically transitions and when they do that, these aren't decisions that need to be made in state houses. These aren't decisions that need to be made by politicians. You know, these are decisions that need to be made by by trans people, by their doctors. And, you know, if, if you're talking about minors with their parents, and that is what I think is getting lost in a lot of this, because we focus on things like, what if they have regret? And what if this or what if that? But when it comes down to it, it's really this same sort of central issue of bodily autonomy that I think connects a lot of the fights right now in the world. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really interesting, I mean, an important way to frame it, I think. And I was also thinking a lot as you were just talking, Parker, about how every year for the past several years, there seems to have been like a pet anti-trans issue. Mm -hmm, it's like mm -hmm. they're just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. Like the bathroom bills thing didn't really, people kind of hated those. And so they just kind of kept going, chose a different tack and people hated that tack. And it kind of is pathetic watching how many bad faith arguments they'll put forward in order to advance their agenda. Mm -hmm. But I think that part of the reason that these uh, narratives are able to stick is because of the way that these issues are covered. So on that note, like, what do you make of journalistic coverage of anti-trans bills? Like what publications are doing it well and which are doing a really bad job? Sure. Well, I think one that's that's kind of gotten a lot of coverage lately is the New York Times. I mean, there was that letter that a bunch of Times contributors signed on to, and really they define Times contributor as anyone who has ever had anything written or anything published in the New York Times before. So I signed on to that letter. I didn't, I didn't write it, but the New York Times has been really hyper-focused on trans issues in a kind of strange way, because there's not been a whole lot that's changed about how trans kids can receive healthcare or what the like guidelines have changed. Like that's been all pretty consistent. Like it's changed a little bit here and there, but the New York Times over the past year, especially has really focused in on this stuff and like zeroed in. And it reminds me of, so one of the things that when trans people will push back on this, we'll hear is like, oh, you don't want us to report what's happening in the world. You don't want us to report the news. But like, if you read these stories, very few of them are actually tied to specific news events, specific news pegs, other than Republicans want to make this illegal. Mm -hmm. So we're going to cover it in the paper kind of thing. But what it is, what it's like is when we hear Republican politicians talk about late-term abortion, when they go partial birth abortion, late-term abortion, they talk about this all the time. And it's not that they just care about that. Like, we all understand that when they're talking about that, they're actually trying to, you know, they're like, we're against partial birth abortion, and that's why we need to ban abortion after six weeks. You know, like those <laughs> things where it's just like, oh, you're just totally skipping over it. You're showing your yeah, sense here. Yeah. And it's that same thing when it comes to trans issues, where it's all this focus on trans kids, where you have people making these arguments who have told the New York Times that their goal is to ban this for adults, but they are just starting with kids because they think that's where the quote unquote consensus is. 
And so it's really frustrating to kind of watch that play out and then hear all of these sort of meta debates with these pundits and these reporter dudes who like to focus on this. It's become kind of their obsession. And it's very frustrating. As for outlets that are doing a better job on it, I mean, I think Rolling Stone has done a pretty good job covering this. I think Vice has done a pretty good job covering this. And I think it's important to, you know, give credit where credit's due. And the scary thing about the state of the media right now is like, you'll see a good article and then you'll see another story that's just like, Vice lays off 20% of staff and you're like, oh God, I hope it's not, I hope they didn't lay off, you know, any of the writers who actually like showed that they cared about this issue and were focused on this issue, you know, those sorts of things are kind of scary because there are a lot of people who have a lot of influence and power who are just kind of going along with this anti-trans sort of plot line. I mean, I'm all for having very important, detailed difficult conversations about policy. You know, how do you respect the right of trans people to coexist in society and girls who are on their swim team, you know, like the, like those sorts of things. Like you, you have to kind of figure out, you know, fairness and safety. Like those things are important and are, are important to discuss. But when the side that's taking the, whoa, no, no, we just care about fairness in sports, you know, when they're taking that side, but then they've gone and, said that, well, yeah, we also oppose trans adults and we also oppose uh, allowing trans people to use restrooms. It's, it's It becomes harder to, to take them seriously. But there's this thing with mainstream reporting a lot of the times that will just sort of take a very fresh born yesterday approach to this topic to be like, well, if someone tells us that they're, they're just concerned about fairness in women's sports, then we have to take them at their word. And I, I don't think that that's the best approach here because it allows them to get away with lying about things. It'll, it allows the anti-trans activists to, to keep pushing their agenda. I mean, if I wrote a piece a decade ago that was about raising a trans child is not child abuse because right-wing people were saying this is child abuse. And it really is frustrating that a decade later, I'm hearing people say, well, oh, this thing just sort of came out of nowhere and no one was talking about this five years ago. It's like, no, people were. People were absolutely talking about this. It was just, you know, you just sort of forgot about it. You know, we gloss over these things. And five years from now, if, you know, assuming that things don't just go horribly wrong, five years from now, we're going to have the same exact arguments. People are going to go, what about sports? And what about bathrooms? And I'm all for the NCAA or the International Olympic Committee coming up with their own sets of rules for what they think needs to happen in order for trans people to participate in sports. And they have. I mean, the fact that trans people have been allowed to participate in the Olympics for, I think it's like the past five or six summer Olympics and haven't won a single medal should kind of tell you something, should tell you that they seem to have it about right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but it's not actually about sports and it's not actually about protecting the kids, you know, these, they'll put these bans in place and then those will be the same states where they're repealing child labor laws. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it, none of it makes sense, but we all have to kind of, it seems like we're, we're all sort of forced to play along with this, this media game where it's like, no, 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 let's take them very seriously. Let's take these people at their word instead of questioning their entire career of lying to people, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So what gives you hope? 
Parker, in this kind of bleak time? This has been a kind of a bleak conversation, but what what keeps you going every day? You know, I, th- I think one thing that gives me hope is just just the fact that I believe there are a lot of good people out there who do care about these issues and see them as issues of human rights and not issues of politics. You know, it, it's it's when we, we talk about politics and we talk about culture wars where we, we kind of can gloss over, you know, that there are real lives at stake. And so I see young trans people online, you know, fighting back against things that they don't like. And I, now that I'm a little older, I get to kind of sit on the sidelines and be like, <laughs> you go, you go guys, do do your thing, you know? So I, I think that seeing the resilience of a lot of younger trans people, it gives me hope because a lot of times I feel like I'm being run down and ground down into to nothing. But at the same time, I see others who are still putting up a good fight and fighting back and and not letting our stories and our narratives and our lives being twisted and taken away from us. So the youth, the kids, (laughs) the the future, that's what gives me hope. (laughs) Yeah, I think the kids are pretty good. We've we've talked about the kids a lot on this on this podcast and we are kind of the kids. I think the kids are going to be the kids are doing a good job. Not all kids, but some most, (laughs) hopefully. The kids are doing a better job than I think we did when we were kids. Oh, yeah. Uh, I gotta, I gotta, yeah for sure. Um, Parker Malloy, thank you so much for joining us and come back again sometime. Hopefully we can have a little bit more upbeat conversation <laughs> next time. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thank you. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, personal political. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix zero-sugar hydration drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe mushroom coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I just like, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like... Parched. I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And it's, ah, you got to drink some water. You got to stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast. No dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito. (laughs) Not, Not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you stay focused and alert throughout the day. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. 
And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have. To, I refuse to be uncomfortable I refu- if I want to be productive. I refuse <laughs> to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very, like, on a, like a couch nap. You know, you have like a, oh yeah. you've got like maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a like small break. I'm very tired. I'm going to just like lay down for 20 minutes. It's yeah. Perfect. Perfect for couch okay. napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. Just put yeah, a, a totally. blazer and like— Denim shirt. Denim, denim shirt, oh, blazer, yeah. leggings. So easy. 100%. And, of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit, falling just above the knee, while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. That's perfect. He is, like, I think my my dad is one of those people that just, like, beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're— they look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old yep. still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, um, Our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple of years now and I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on a, on a short weekend trip and they still looked great. It was like, Dad, your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. At KPMG, we make the difference. It's not just something we say. It's what we do. Our professionals believe in the value of collaboration and the power of technology. We work closely with clients to uncover insights that illuminate opportunity, develop bold solutions that innovate industries, and create better outcomes driven by data. Brighter insights, bolder solutions, better outcomes. It's how our people make the difference, driving growth and value for our clients. KPMG, make the difference. And welcome back. Alyssa, we're going to talk about a word today that is, Mm. I guess, apparently hard to define. Um, 
here I'm going to, I'm going to quote Bethany Mandel who wrote a book about uh, this word appearing on Brianna Joy Gray's show. The word is woke. Mm. And when Brianna Joy Gray asked Bethany Mandel to define it, this is what Bethany Mandel said. And this is, I transcribed this answer. Woke is sort of the idea that, um, eh, <laughs> sit. This is going to be one of those moments that goes viral. Woke is something that is hard to define, and we spend an entire chapter defining it. It is sort of the understanding that we need to totally reimagine and redo society in order to recreate hierarchies of oppression. Sorry, it's hard to describe in 15-second soundbite. So there you have it, the definition of woke from a person who wrote a book about how wokeness is threatening America. Um, You know what? If a woman who is literally on TV promoting a book she wrote about it can't define it, what hope do we have? We're going to try anyway, okay? So let's introduce our panel. You can find our first panelist at the Peacock Show in LA every Thursday and on the internet as at shit from Kieran. It is Kieran Deal. Hello, hello. How are you guys doing? (laughs) So glad to see you. So glad to see your floating face on a dark background. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) It's very Nosferatu. It's it's giving vampire, and I'm I love it. I love it. Thank you. I did creak out of bed slowly today. So, <laughs> oh, that is that's actually aspirational. Uh, we are also excited to welcome back our next panelist. She is a best friend of Hysteria. She's the author of a hilarious book, obviously stories from my timeline, and she's the former host of Crooked's What a Day. But her most important role is being Fauci's mom, Akila Hughes. Welcome back to Hysteria. <laughs> Hi there. Thank you so much for shouting out my beautiful son. Um, <laughs> great to be here. Great to talk about something that I'm very passionate about, yet also don't know if I can define. <laughs> well, so the word woke is being thrown around a lot. You know, it's thrown around a lot by Ron DeSantis, um, who is slowly shrinking into a vertical line using questionable <laughs> methods. He's losing a ton of weight. I wonder how. Um, So Ron DeSantis bandies it about a lot. You know, Florida has a law called the anti-woke law where they're attempting to ban books. Um, This week, after Silicon Valley Bank collapsed, uh, conservatives, it's like they all got the same email or something, but they all started blaming the bank for, quote, being too woke because there is nothing more woke than a bank that lobbied the Trump administration for reduced regulations, and in 2018 had them loosened. There's nothing more woke than a bank where most deposits are over $250,000. I can't think of anything more woke than that. Um, <laughs> so it really, it, honestly, anytime you hear anybody, for, for real, anytime anybody blames wokeness on the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, they are either on purpose or accidentally running interference for Peter Thiel, who was one of the people kind of that caused a run on the bank. But that's neither here nor there. Wokeness is the sort of conservative boogeyman du jour. And one thing about it is that there isn't really a definition that they're working with. They just assume that everybody who hears the term knows what it means. So Akila, as somebody who thinks a lot about this topic and feels passionately about it, what do you think (laughs) they think that woke means? And what does woke actually mean? Um, well, as a woke American, <laughs> let me just tell you that uh, what they really mean is the N-word. <laughs> That's really it. Um, like the Wall Street Journal's description of the Silicon Valley Bank collapse 
was literally because they had people of color and gay people on their board. That's what makes it woke. Not the money, not anything else. It's just the presence of anyone who's not a white, straight man uh, is wokeness. So it is just a dog whistle um, for them. They they know that the people they're trying to talk to know what it means, which is just like, you know, inwards, which is why when you get asked about it... <laughs> You go, um, well, you know, there's a whole chapter <laughs> and I wrote it, I swear. <laughs> and we, we know what's happening here. And uh, buy my book. Um, that's why that happens. It's because nobody wants to actually just go on the record and say that. They're too cowardly. So they're like, woke works. Um, but woke <laughs> in etymology uh, is just African-American vernacular English, meaning like stay woke, stay aware. Be aware of the fact that, like, the things that are happening, uh, specifically coming from, like, a government, right, uh, and the U.S. government probably is going to negatively impact us. Uh, and I think that that is, you know, it, it it is broad. You know, it's like when a police officer kills a black person and they don't go to jail, it's like, stay woke. You know what that means. Like, <laughs> it's really more about awareness. Um, but since I want to say like 2016, because I think that's when <laughs> Donald Glover's hit song Redbone came out. Stay woke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we love it. People have slowly been like, well, black people like this. So it must be bad. Uh, and that seems like the trend that this country wants to go in, even though it's like uh, progress is marching forward. So what are we doing? Mm -hmm. That's what I think. Well, let's pivot to our resident Floridian or native Floridian or semi-native Floridian. <laughs> yeah, right. Someone who lived in Florida for a span of time. Uh, <laughs> after critiquing the new College of Florida for being too, quote, woke, Ron DeSantis has taken over the school to kill its status as a progressive liberal arts haven. Uh, a student there by the name of Kayla Kissidu was asked about it, and she said, woke, you mean practicing basic empathy, valuing people who are part of your community? Do you think that she kind of nailed what Ron DeSantis means when he said woke, Kieran? Um, listen, I don't know, but I do know that my mother calls Ron DeSantis Voldemort, um, she calls him, she's like, oh, there's Voldemort again, you know, doing what Voldemort does. And I know that the judge who didn't hold down the law, he compared it to um, doublespeak and like a brave new world moment. It's like you can't actually, I mean, the whole thing about like the First Amendment is that you can't, you can't censor thought, you can't censor the way people think, right? Like that's not... Um, that's not kosher. That's not the way that we have a good and strong democracy. So I thought that was a, a really eloquent argument. And it's, it's, it's a really fascinating and bizarre, like almost contrarian world. Like it feels like we really are living in two different realities where like someone, like I read those laws and it felt like it was all about like, it was all in the guise of like anti-discrimination you know, like the teaching was in anti, in this like anti-discrimination language. <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, oh, this is like wildly confusing language. Like, you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I could see a world in which like somebody is like, oh, yeah, of course, everyone's equal and everyone has a right to be. You know what I mean? Like just the just the phrasing of the actual language was really, really confusing. Um, mm -hmm. I will say that in Florida specifically, my mom was talking about how her neighborhood, like she walks around this lake uh, there, um, been living there for over 20 years. 
And she said like a group of 13 or 14 year olds very recently actually did like call her the N-word while she was, you know, going around this lake. And then like another group of little kids, like um, when I say little kids, I mean like 12, 13, 14, she goes, um, they uh, like came up to her and there was just this feeling that like wanted to like shake her hand, she had to like take out her phone to be like, I'll call someone, you know, kind of thing. Like, and now she doesn't walk around that lake at night. She was like, I mean, I'm still going to walk around the lake, Karen, but I just won't do it, you know, at night. But it was this thing, this shift where this idea that like the spirit of the neighborhood and the area has changed, which is something I could see even when I've gone back post-Trump, like where my family lives, there's just a change in like the number of flagpoles and monster trucks that are like in the neighborhood (laughs) now. You're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know this before. This wasn't actually kosher before. That's the shit Mm -hmm. that like Mm -hmm. seeing that trickle down to real people um, and the impact of it is, I think, the really dangerous piece of it all. I can't believe that happened to your mom. I mean, I can believe it, but that's so horrifying. That's. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not laughing at what happened. I'm literally like, yeah. Oh, my <laughs> God. So uh, as a Southerner. Yeah. I mean, it's just been years since I've been to Florida, to be honest. It's also just like strange because like you're not black, but like that's the thing is like anything that's uh, adjacent to blackness is the N word. I mean, that's what woke does. But that's what I thought was so crazy. I was like, I always say it's like if you're going to be racist, at least be accurate, you know, because if you're mm-hmm. accurate, then at least like you have some authority and I believe you. Do you know what I mean? It's like if you're confusing everybody, if you're confusing all the racial slurs, yeah. then it's like you have no authority. You know, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, they don't. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, I mean, they, the, the governor does have some authority, but any, I, Alyssa, you know, mm. I've been thinking a lot about like the the term woke, and it almost feels as though it's better defined by what the opposite is. Like, mm. what is anti woke? Like, what does that look like? Is that sleepy? Like, is that just being sleepy? Anti woke is <laughs> if you turn on the decades television channel. And you're like, I'm only going to watch shows prior to 1960. And then anything that's different than those TV shows, I do not accept in 2023. Like, to, that's that's how it is to me. It's like, if you, the anti-woke is accepting a status quo that was rejected 50 years ago, 60 years ago. <laughs> that's how I feel like, like, because when people say, Oh, they're they're woke. Oh, what does that mean? They're like willing to learn, you know, like I would not like that's that's it. Being aware that the world is changing to me is what woke is. And so then the opposite of it is that you literally want to be stuck in time Mm -hmm. in a time that we all agreed was like something we should move past a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's sort of it's sort of reads a little bit like people just want to live in an idealized version of the 1950s, not even like the real version of the 1950s, no, like an no. idealized version of it and have no awareness of how that era was actually pretty bad news yeah. for almost everybody. But the dresses were so cute. The dresses were so cute. <laughs> even if you couldn't breathe in your waist. But no, it's all like leave it to Beaver. Leave it to Beaver is a great example. It's like everything that if you ask Ron DeSantis to describe his ideal, I think if you went back and watched an episode of Leave it to Beaver, you'd be like, I get it. 
I get it. And even June yeah. was trying to break out of the kitchen, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he wants little white kids to be named Beaver, it's, and they just not doing that anymore. <laughs> I just, I feel as though, you know, wokeness leads to little kids who are named Beaver being made fun of by kids that are like, <laughs> you're named Beaver. Yeah, true. It's wild. It's just white supremacy, right? Like, am I am I wrong here? Like, the idea is, like, they want to be racist with, in a time where it was okay. Like, that's what I think. Like, when I think of Leave it to Beaver, like, that show is completely innocuous. It's a bunch of really, like, cute kids being like, Jesus. Right. <laughs> My bike got stolen, and then they all become friends. Yeah, exactly. They're fr- they have a brother named Wally. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's really, really, uh, it's very wholesome whiteness, but it's, like, purposely the, or, like, there are no people of color. Right. It is the whitest world possible in a world that is not that way. And we don't talk about how it got to be that white or where we push people to the margins so that Beaver and Wally can have an adventure <laughs> where they don't possibly have to see somebody, you know, with skin darker than a paper bag. And it's like, that is what he wants. Mm-hmm. I just think that, like, he thinks he's being clever. And, like, it's kind of our job to just be like, no, we know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kieran, um, I wonder what your thoughts are on attempts to ban uh, books. Like, are there any books that you've seen on banned lists that you're like, what the fuck are they trying to ban this book for? Like, are they, do you think it's like a fear of learning among a certain subset? Okay. Uh, The one thing I do want to say about like the anti-woke thing is as someone who is really on the fence about uh, staying awake, being actually physically awake, I will say that. I think there's merit, you know, and like, I'm really about sleeping is what I'm saying. You know, that's my (laughs) personal take. Um, Yeah, I'm a I'm a really big advocate of like, I I just think you truly I just the whole thing is like if Jordan Peterson gets to say what he wants to say. Do you know what I mean? Like, like the whole thing is with the First Amendment, you're supposed to protect the speech of the person that you agree with the least. That's the idea. And then you Mm -hmm. have discourse for everyone. It's like the person I agree with least, as long as they're not inciting violence, is like is like the person I need to be protecting. So the notion that that uh, books are being banned is, you know, there's there's so much that if I think about it too hard right now, I'm like, I, I feel like I'm living in a dystopian hellscape. So I prefer Aaron to nap. <laughs> That's <laughs> but. When you look at some of the books that they've banned, it's like, what is left? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you look at every single book that made me want to read, A Wrinkle in Time is banned. I was a voracious reader. And if Alyssa was, you know, six years old or seven, I was a very early reader. Um, right now, uh, there'd be nothing that would inspire me. I mean, that would to keep reading more. It's just, I don't, it's like they've tried to destroy any book that has any sort of modicum of imagination because they don't want kids to imagine a world that is different than the one Ron DeSantis is trying to feed them. Well, in addition, I've, I've seen a lot of, so there's book banning and then there's also like a backlash to companies trying to move into a more progressive, Mm -hmm. like, Disney is what comes to mind. And like Ron DeSantis has mm-hmm. really targeted Disney a lot. Akila, you actually used to work at a Disney theme park. And like, there, what are some changes that have been, that are being made? And like, what has the backlash been that you've 
seen. I know that you're just like you're retired from the princess life, but like, <laughs> but like as a as a person who's like an observer of it, like what are some things that that used to be there that have been changed, and what what's the the backlash been? Yeah, I mean, so I think like. <sighs> To just start with the parks, because Disney is like, I mean, it's a huge company, basically. <laughs> you know, don't let me say Monopoly, but come on. Um, and so if we start with the theme parks, like they, they're they changing Splash Mountain, which I will say I rode for the first time at like age 19. Um, like I had never even gone to the parks before. I worked there as an intern. And I was riding it with like a bunch of gay people and black people and young people because we were college students and interns. And some people had been on it before when they were very little. I had never been on it. It is a frankly very racist ride. <laughs> like, I've I've never been on it either. So like, well, let me tell you. So Br'er Rabbit, that entire story is like he's a trickster, and a trickster in like old Southern little kid books is like coded as a black person, a runaway slave. That's the sort of thing. It's like they're trying to get one over on you, and so the whole point of Splash Mountain is they're trying to catch this rabbit. There's a literal noose (laughs) that they're trying to hang this rabbit from. And the whole time we're like, wow, like it's a long ride. It's like 30 minutes to the top and then you drop. So we're just going from scene to scene and all of us being like, hmm, here he is in a cotton field. Hmm, here he is. Like we're all picking up what they're putting down and we're like, "Let I can't wait to be splashed. Like let me off this fucking ride. (laughs) It was horrific. So they suggested changing it to The Princess and the Frog. It's a movie that kids have actually heard of. <laughs> it, there's no like real space in the park. Like when uh, I was working there, she had a little gazebo. Um, so they're like trying to make like the New Orleans Square happen. And that's really what they're doing with all the movies. Like in Epcot, they're making um, Mexico into like Coco because kids know the movie. You can sell merchandise. It makes sense. But because they announced that it would be uh, <laughs> The Princess and the Frog, Princess Tiana, All of these anti-woke white people, can't say racist, (laughs) but that's what anti-woke is. All these anti-woke white people were like, I'm never coming again. How can you do this? You're shoving a black person down our throat. It's like, they're shoving capitalism (laughs) down your throat. Like, your child has seen this movie on Disney Plus when you didn't want to watch them. So they need to put it in the park. That's all that's happening here. But that's really just the beginning. Like, across the company of Disney... There were so many big projects uh, that were featuring Black people and about Black people that kind of got hushed releases. When the Buzz Lightyear movie came out, there was a a gay kiss in a Pixar film and they lost their minds when there was a a red panda that got its period (laughs) and turning red. They were like, how can a child know what a period is? It's like, because it's going to happen to them (laughs) or it's going to happen to their sister or their cousin. We wanted it to be a surprise. How dare you? A horrible surprise. Um, right. Yeah. And it's, so it's like, these are just chicken shit people who are just very loud. And unfortunately, I would say companies like Disney often kowtow because they're like, I would rather, <laughs> I would rather not lose a dollar than have us be at the front of a controversy. And unfortunately, like no media entity has pushed back hard enough at Ron DeSantis for him to not be a valid threat. Mm -hmm. The other piece of that, though, is all of the companies that are weaponizing the idea of being anti-racist or anti-woke or or, or woke or anti-racist to like sell their products. Like I remember in Rock special that he Mm -hmm. released on Netflix, he was talking about like Lululemon And he said, like, he was like, there's Mm -hmm. a sign that, like, we don't discriminate. You know, we don't do racist. And he goes, you discriminate against somebody. Your yoga pants are $100 a pop. You discriminate against poor people, Mm -hmm. you know. And he was like, and also, I don't give a Mm -hmm. fuck what 
yoga pants are doing about racism. I give a fuck. What are you doing about ball sweat? Like, why aren't people staying in their lanes a little bit? Um, But the way that the, you know, or like that, I remember a while ago, there was like that Coke commercial with like one of the Kardashians that was like, Oh, it's Pepsi. Let's not throw yeah, it. So sorry, so sorry, so sorry, so sorry. But like that, like there's also like that piece of it where where now you have companies who are like advertising to like liberals to be like, hey, we're on your side. But it really is all in service of just selling more products. But can I be so honest? I would I'm fine with that. I am so okay with if that's how you make your money <laughs> is by just being like, we're not racist. Thank you. Like everybody else is making their money being racist. <laughs> but Akila, that that to me, that to me feels co-opted and gross and virtue signaling. Like it's like it's it's But I don't care about virtue signaling because you're signaling a virtue. Mm-hmm. Like what is the opposite? You have no virtue. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, if that's how you have to make money, look, we're all in capitalism, we're all slaves to it, it's not going anywhere. Then I'm like, at least do the nice thing. At least do the thing that doesn't dehumanize people of color. Sure. At least do the thing that that validates that, you know, if, if a gay person walks in the store, they're not going to be assaulted as a part of your company culture. Like, I I think the bar is on the ground. The bar is in <laughs> hell. So, like, if all they have to say is, hey, I think a black person's life matters by my pants. Like, I'm buying <laughs> 10 pants. I think the part where it gets a little tricky is when they're saying that in their commercials and then they're like, quietly donating to Ron DeSantis's re-election campaign. Or it's not reflected in the board or it's not reflected in who works there or like systemic change is what makes a difference. Well, I would love that systemic change, but like we just heard what the Wall Street Journal said about the systemic change when a bank did what a bank does. Right. Which was like, I mean, like when you were doing your monologue at the top, Aaron, you were like, like uh, you were talking about, you know, like uh, nothing woker than a bank. And I'm like, that's the end of the sentence. <laughs> like, like I have to give you my money at all. <laughs> that's, that's not woke at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's an unwoke activity. A direct deposit, extremely unwoke. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that you know, let's let's wrap. We have to wrap up this part of the conversation. I'm sure we're going to be revisiting it again because this is something. This is a chicken that they will not stop fucking, if you will. I really would love to to let you kind of have the last word, Akila, on this because you know I think we didn't really get into it, but it, the use of the word woke has started kind of as like a co opting of like a word that black people have used amongst themselves. And you touched on it briefly, but I would love to hear how you think, can woke be taken back? Can woke be reclaimed? Or is there going to be a new thing? And is there a counter insult that we can throw at anti-woke people besides just straight up racist? Like, can we get a little creative with it? I mean, yeah. I mean, so I think that like there's not going to be a return. Here's what here's the reality of like black people making things cool in this country is <laughs> like if you use a word to insult us, we'll use it and make it cool and then fucking beat you to death. <laughs> you try to say it. And you know what? That's fine. I think that like, you know, talk shit, get hit. But the other side of it is like. Uh, we will just do something else. Like, I think that, like, literally the history of African-Americans, like, not just Africans, but African-Americans, is that, like, we just continue. Like, I, my favorite phrase is, there are Black people in the future. And, like, <laughs> nothing hurts a white person's feelings <laughs> when they are anti-woke more than the idea that whatever they're doing right now really isn't going to have an impact on them. Like, frankly, we're going to be there. So, I think black people will figure out how to talk to each other and uh, white people on the Internet will co-opt it and black people will figure out something new and that will continue to happen. Um, As far as like an insult, I just feel like, you know, just 
I think the, the more plain we make the language and the more we meet people exactly where they are instead of going higher than them. <laughs> yeah. And saying, what do you mean by that? And make them explain it and make them explain it every day. They're never going to find someone on their team smart enough <laughs> to say something eloquent that also gets to the heart of the dog whistle. So I think that really all we have to do is play offense. Like, it's sad. What they're doing is pathetic. They're they're banning a history that they're ashamed of, but they're saying that they're proud of their ancestors. Fine. <laughs> Let's make them say that. Like, I think the, the more they have to admit the reality, because there's nothing else here, the better off we all are going to be. So I don't I don't even want to hit them back. I want to listen to what they have to say and be like, right. So you say that a little bit louder and just hear how stupid you are. Great. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, Akilah. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Sanity Corner slash I Feel Petty. This episode is brought to you by Paycor, the HR and payroll software made for leaders. It's never been harder to recruit, hire, and engage workers. That's why HR leaders and frontline managers depend on Paycor for all things people management, from onboarding and performance reviews to compensation and benefits. Learn more at paycor.com slash leaders. That's P-A-Y-C-O-R dot com slash leaders. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. All right. And welcome back. Okay, let's get to it. Akila, what do you got? Sanity Corner or I Feel Petty this week? So this is an I Feel Petty. Um, I think we're all aware of the Silicon Valley Bank fiasco <laughs> and its impact on economies globally. Uh, and also our government's swift action <laughs> to try to help out because rich people are losing money and man, does that suck. And look, I have a little bit of sympathy. I know some regular people who somehow got tricked into putting their money and their faith in a bank because uh, it was different, but it was a bank. And as a person with student loans, I just have to say, it's interesting how our government just keeps coming up with billions, nay, trillions of dollars to bail out people who are just bad at business uh, and consistently lie about the profits and are just taking money from Peter to pay Paul 
while we are earnestly just trying to have a future as millennials, and we're told that maybe if we went to college, we'd have a job that paid a good amount of money to reflect that. Um, fuck them. <laughs> I don't care. I want I want all of my student loan money back. If college is even going to become a less important thing because, you know, we have Ron DeSantis. Is that the plural? <laughs> Ron DeSantis uh, in the world who are just trying to get rid of like literal education. And they're like, you go there, you spend this money, you come out as dumb as everybody else. And you just, I don't know, kill yourself for the economy then I think I deserve that refund. I think they can easily just write the check. The amount of money that it would cost to fix that wouldn't even touch this singular bank collapse, regardless of all of the others that have happened in my lifetime. So um, yeah, I, I have very little sympathy and I get it. They were trying to help startups. But let's go back to what Kieran said earlier. We're not seeing uh, all that money going to diverse people. <laughs> We're not seeing a ton of black startups getting screwed over by this bank. We're seeing a bunch of white people who pay white people and and they're mad about it and they want their money back. And frankly, we bailed people out with COVID. These businesses keep getting bailed out. Individuals are not. I'm an individual and I want to get bailed out. So till then, fuck them. <laughs> I mean, I would say that's bigger than petty. But the fuck them adds like a little like little petty cherry on top yeah, of little, it. Yeah, little petty. Little Just petty cherry. Uh, mine is a lot less consequential and important, but um, mine is regarding driving etiquette and how everyone else is doing it wrong except me. Oh, no. Do we have the same petty? It might. Maybe. So it's it's been raining a lot here in Southern California. And this is uh, kind of since I've moved here five years ago, almost. This is the most I've ever seen it rain. It's historic, the amount of rain which means that there's a lot of rainy days or gloomy days or days where it's kind of sleeting. A lot of people are not driving with their headlights on. Look, headlights are not about whether or not you can see. They're about people being able to see you. And it is really fucking hard for me to change lanes on the five when I got some moron with their headlights off in my blind spot. Thank goodness for my little light that that's like, boop, there's a car over there. But like a gray car on a black highway in a, on a gray day, I can't see that. People need to turn their headlights on when it's raining. It's not about what you can see. It's about if people can see you. So I mean, and I also like, you know, I get down on L.A. a lot because it is in some ways a terrible place. And I, I like always find ways to like connect a through line. I'm like a bad girlfriend about L.A. I'm like, this is just a sign of how people here are selfish. This is a mm -hmm. sign of overall selfishness <laughs> and a lack of self-awareness and a lack of care for each other. And the movie crash was terrible, but it did get one thing right. And that is that people here act as though they only exist in their own bubbles and that's all that matters. So yeah, fucking turn your headlights on if it's raining. Turn them on if it's raining or if it's like foggy. Turn them on. And you know, it's it's like illegal to not turn them on. Did you know that? Can I also just tag this and say at night, don't put your brights on. If you're driving into people, <laughs> I'm consistently flashing at them like, hello, I'm I literally you're like, Akila, this is my petty three times a year. Take your brights off or worse, if you have those LED headlights, oh, I don't know, those. just put your fucking fog lights on or something because I can't see now. Yeah, I think there should be one day a year that's like the purge, but we are all allowed to smash people's headlights if they're too bright and not get in trouble. Yeah, I agree. All I hear is that people in Los Angeles are terrible drivers. Like, this is why I was laughing so hard. You're like, why is everybody bad at this? And I was like, everybody's bad at this. And it's like, 
Aaron, it's because we're all on our phones. It's because we're on our phones while we're driving. That's why we're bad at it. Also, I, I had a total in November, so I've been driving some friends' cars around town, like just different cars. And on this Fiat, I got to say, there are a handful of times where somebody politely kind of beeped at me and were like, your headlights aren't on. <laughs> so I was totally that bitch, but just... Uh, to be to be clear, I was driving <laughs> just purely in the dark. It wasn't in the rain, like so. You know, it was. <laughs> yeah, you know. Oh no! <laughs> so yeah, in her defense, she's a danger to herself and others. <laughs> I don't beep at those cars because they might be haunted. No lights on at night. Yeah, I was in a Lego car, and I was like, you know, I was stealth operative. So thank you so much. Okay. Okay. Well, Karen, on that note, Sanity Corner or I Feel Petty? I Sanity Corner. And I thought of it while we were talking about all of the madness when it comes to driving. Well, first of all, one, one thing I want to say about Los Angeles is Florida has a lot of rain, too. And California has nowhere near as much rain as Florida. You know what this city fucking needs? Drainage. 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 It's like mm-hmm. the way that the fuck, it's like the way that the streets are like all pothole garbage, like the 10% city tax. What are we doing? Like there's no drainage in this city. So there's cesspools of like typhoon bullshit everywhere, uh, which is the more <laughs> unfortunate thing. Uh, but in, in an effort to end on a positive note, I just want to say one thing that has made me very sane and made a lot of people in my life very happy is that Alyssa's jam arrived. Uh, and this bitch's jam was fucking fantastic. People are saving, you know, like it's just, Thank you, you know, Karen. like we got to buy the fancy toast before we eat the jam and then we got to devour all the jam together. Do you know what I mean? So that it's like, because then it's like a race against time so that you can really enjoy the jam. It's like, it's a whole uh, movement in my micro community <laughs> of uh, three people that I know. Um, we all <laughs> fucking love your jam, Alyssa, and I've given you a lot of shit in the past. You have, you have, and this was not even your first delivery, so don't make it sound like we've been doing this pod for four years and this was the first time you got jam. Okay, thank you. This was just welcome back from the UK jam. Yes, this was like, I have gotten, I have gotten jam on multiple occasions and I've given you a lot of shit about not giving me jam. Where's my jam? Where the fuck is my jam? <laughs> God damn it you bitch, where's my jam? You know? And it's like, yeah. And on a number of occasions on pause, you could probably create a super cut Caroline, not encouraging that. That sounds time consuming. Um, But yeah, that's the special. That's the special. Just Just being like, where's my fucking jam? And you're like, I don't work for you. (laughs) Anyway. And so this is a jam appreciation. Thank you so much. That it's fantastic. It's worth harassing you for Alyssa. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Karen. It is heartwarming. And I appreciate it. Alyssa, what are you bringing us home with? Sanity Corner or I Feel Petty? This is a sanity. You guys, every year when the uh, awards shows come around, I get so, I love looking at fashion, but then I also get so stressed by fashion because you can't help but sit there and be like, "Mm, if it were me, what would I wear? And there's never someone who's relatable unless Frances McDormand is nominated for something because then I'm like, oh, there she is. She did her hair herself. She's got no makeup on and I would wear that dress. So anyway, I just wanted to shout out. I was getting so stressed watching the Oscars and then I saw Questlove. And I just wanted to say, Questlove, thank you so much. You brought Crocs to the champagne carpet. 
<laughs> and I was like, you know what? See, maybe I could wear Burke someday. Who knows? But when I saw, and they were all kind of like, all, this, all the people were like, look at Kresnov has Crocs on. I was like, that's mini mocking. Don't mini mock. <laughs> Don't do that. And so anyway, thank you, Questlove, for making the Oscars uh, watchable for me. Oh, that's great. That's a good sanity corner. Um, I think it's also really important during this red carpet season that everyone watching, we've talked about Ozempic on this show before, but like if you find yourself comparing yourself negatively to actors who are on the red carpet, remember that they have access to a $900 a month off-label diabetes treatment that like makes them skinny. So like don't try to compete with them. I'm sure they look good in their outfits, whatever. But like, that's not the life that they're living is not a life that's accessible to the rest of us. So like, don't let Hollywood make you feel like shit. You should just shouldn't. No. Um, okay. Just appreciate Quest Love. Just appreciate Quest Love. Just appreciate a hundred. We can all fit in Crocs, okay? <laughs> Sisterhood of the Traveling Crocs. Okay. Uh, on that note, that's all the time we have for this week's show. Akila and Kieran, thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you so much for staying woke. <laughs> Parker Malloy, thank you so much for being our interview this week. Alyssa, as always, thank you for being my ride or die. And listeners, if you want to get in touch, hysteria at crooked.com. Please send us a nice note. We have somebody read them. And if they're mean, we forward them around and make fun of them. So please be nice. You can also rate and review us if you like what you're hearing. And there will be more hysteria for you next week. I am from an planet. This nation Hysteria is a crooked media production. Caroline Rustin is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer, and Fiona Pastana is our associate producer. Kyle Seglin and Charlotte Landis are the sound engineers, and our editor is Sarah Gibalaska and the folks at Chapter 4. Thank you to our digital team, Nar Melkonian, Mia Kelman, Milo Kim, and Matt DeGroot. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.